Well, Matt Smith and Kyle Reese in your Sunday morning on Denver Sports Station 104.3 The Fan. We want your thoughts on Denver's preseason opening loss to Arizona on Friday night. They lose 18-17, to and we'll get back to the Broncos certainly here in just a minute. But it's time to play everybody's favorite game. Guess who popped up in Boulder this week, Kyle? I saw Nate Robinson out there. Nate Robinson, former yeah. Denver Nugget, three-time slam dunk champion. He was out at the first fall scrimmage the Buffs had yesterday because his son, Nymir Robinson, is a walk-on freshman corner for Coach Prime. The other was Byron Leftwich. Byron Leftwich, of course, Jacksonville quarterback, former Marshall quarterback, and then offensive coordinator for Tampa. Super Bowl winning offensive coordinator. And then offensive coordinator for the Super Bowl winning Tampa Bay Buccaneers and Tom Brady. I imagine the Tom Brady relationship came into effect there between Shadour and Byron Leftwich for sure. (laughs) Yeah. I would imagine so. Good to see Nate Robinson out there. He, he was having some health issues yeah, uh, yeah. not too long ago. So and we saw him boxing, too. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> Different conversation. but For sure. But, yeah, good to see him out there, man. Interesting week up in Boulder. It really was. We can't watch practice. The local media can't watch practice this year. Uh, there are no open practices. But you and I actually got a chance to watch them. I watched them a few times, and you at least got up there once, I, I think, in the spring. Yeah, a couple times, actually. Right. Yeah. So we actually got an inside look at what some of these kids, you know, what some of them can bring to the table. Yeah. But since spring football ended, there have been 59 new players that have finally joined the program for training camp. And two weeks into it, it has been interesting. Um, the vibe up there is good. There is Certainly an acknowledgement, Kyle, that there's a lot of work to be done, but there are starting, and from all the videos and well-off media and Deion Sanders Jr. on YouTube, they're all up there. You can check out practice and watch along with the rest of us. There's the brand-new first fall camp scrimmage video that was just uploaded yesterday. But Travis Hunter and this group of wide receivers, man, Coach Prime knocked it out of the park there. He really did. They've got a very talented group of skill position players, and it's not just at receiver. It's at running back, too. they got a very deep running back room. This week we spoke to Travis Hunter, who, of course, was the number one recruit in 2021 that transferred over from Jackson State with Coach Prime. He's going to play receiver and corner. And all reports out of camp and all these videos, man, he is every bit as good as advertised. Every bit, Kyle. Yeah, you're going to say this is lofty again, but he is playing a Charles Woodson role for Deion Sanders in terms of he's that good that you can't not have him on, not have him on the field. He wants him to play corner. He wants him to play receiver. I wouldn't be surprised if you see him returning kicks. He is a do-it-all type of player, which is, a, uh, which is unique in college, man, because you just have so much time to perfect your craft and the fact that he can do both things, man, and do them at an elite level. There's a ton of respect and trust that goes into that, but the athleticism is undeniable. And we used to see guys play both sides of the football much more than we do now. Football has become much more specialized, and players want to focus on one position to boost their draft stock, right, to sharpen their tools because you're probably not going to play both ways in the NFL. I got news for you. This is a kid who might be able to do it. It really is. And the, and the phrase that you just used, they're going to have a hard time keeping him off the field. I have been saying that all summer long, ever since he's got, got to campus, because I get the question a lot, well, how much will he be used as a receiver? And I keep telling everybody, 
in every big situation. Third down, red zone, I promise he'll be on the field. They're going to have a hard time keeping him off because he's just that damn good. So I'm really excited what he can bring to the table, but he's not the only thing to be excited about in the receiver room. They got the two leading receivers from South Florida, Xavier Weaver and Jimmy Horn Jr. to transfer over, and both of these kids will be playmakers from day one. Jimmy got here in the spring and has been lightning fast, great little slot receiver for them. And Xavier Weaver on the outside was South Florida's leading receiver last year, and he's shown really well in camp. The other name to mention in the receiver room, Javon Antonio. That's the one. You may not know that name. You probably shouldn't know that name. He played last year at Northwestern State, okay? Not Northwestern. <laughs> Northwestern State. This kid is 6'4", 220. He's like, I think he's like an inch taller than Derrick Henry and maybe 15 pounds lighter as a receiver. He is a jump ball menace. This kid is a beast. He will play a ton for Coach Prime. So early returns offensively are good. Now, the one question mark is offensive line, Kyle. I mean, when was the last time CU had a legitimately good offensive line? Yeah, there's always the twos and fews, but the uh, the days of, like, the Andre Jarrells Andre and Nate Solders, man, those are, you know, those are decades. The Columbuses, yeah. the Bakhtiaris. Yeah, yeah, those, it's, it seems like uh, eons ago. Uh, and you like to see them get back to that spot because all of this is fine and good, right? But we do know that. The offensive line is a straw that stirs a drink. So I'd really like to hear more about what's going on up there. Um, And if not, you're going to see a whole lot of football played on the perimeter. And uh, and eventually you start to tip your cap and and defenses start to lean into that. So you want to be able to, uh, to balance these things with a little bit more force up front. They've got a few returning starters up front, and certainly some of the only returning starters on the entire team are going to be the offensive line. Yeah, And the only guys with power five offensive line experience, all played at Colorado. Everybody else is a group of five or FCS transfer. So Savion Washington, who they brought in from Kent State, will be their right tackle most likely this year. Uh, Jared Lichten will probably be their left tackle. Van Wells, who played as a true freshman last year, is most likely going to be their center. And I believe right now Jack Wilty and Tyler Brown are their starting guards at the moment. That is subject to change. But as far as it concerns the Buffalo's offense, that is going to be my biggest question mark heading into this season. Can you keep Shadour healthy? I asked Coach Prime uh, this week, actually, about that specifically, and he said, look, I mean, that's the key. As long as this kid doesn't get hurt and we can keep him on his feet, man, because their offense should be dynamic. They have the real potential, and I'm using this, and I know the... The weight, the weight of what this of what this word means, but I think they have the potential to be a dynamic offense. They do, they do. And and speaking to that offensive line, just something specific to to people here in town. Um, you know, he, he's a, he's going to be a freshman this year, but Hank Zelenskis is a kid from Cherry Creek, and the reason I mention him is because his brother Gus went and started at Rutgers as a true freshman. Um, so there is some some lineage there. Uh, their, their dad was a uh, a former pro and all those things. So you, you, there are some guys that to be developed For that sure. can really be some key pieces on that offensive line. And whether he gets his opportunity this year or or not. Uh, I, I do believe he's going to be a good player for them as well. It, it, his brother Gus was a tremendous, tremendous player, and obviously the success he's having in the Big Ten. Um, you don't you don't see that often from Colorado. No, and and defensively, I think. That's the wild card this year because this Colorado defense last year was a wet paper bag. I mean, they couldn't stop anybody, man, especially on the ground. When you get killed on the ground, 
in the NFL, it's demoralizing, right? But when you get killed on the ground in college, I mean, what's worse than demoralizing? Come up with a come up with whatever you feel is worse Call than demoralizing. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's earth shattering because if you get slashed on the ground in college, you have zero chance to win football games. And and C was given up over two hundred yards on the ground per game last year. It was just atrocious. But yesterday in the first fall scrimmage in, in, of fall camp here preseason practice, the defense won, which is a really really big step forward because a lot of this defense is. A group of mercenaries. You got you had a bunch of Florida Iron State man. transfers. You know what I mean? They brought in, yeah. you know, Jackson State kids. So I think it'll be interesting because we heard on Friday from Coach Prime about Cormani McLean. And you may recognize that name. And if you do, good. And if you don't, Cormani was the highest ranked cornerback prospect to come out of this class, this recruiting class, and Coach Prime flipped him from Miami to Boulder. In fact, when the entire Miami coaching staff showed up to find him at his high school, the principal said, ah, Cormani didn't show up for school today. He's actually on a plane to Boulder, right? And Prime peeled him away. A lot of expectations coming in, but he's off to a slow start in training camp. Somebody asked me the other day about Cormani. They said, where do you think he is right now? And I said, look, compared to expectations, he's definitely behind, and Coach Prime said he's coming along slowly but surely. But compared to your average freshman who's just drinking through a fire hose in their first week and a half of fall camp, how much did you really expect out of the kid is kind of my response to that. So hopefully he can can continue to progress. But the Buffs certainly have a few other corners that could potentially fill those roles too. Tough position to come in and have early success just just by nature of what you have to do. Like running backwards doesn't come natural to anybody. So for him to – and and he's got to get a college body. Right. You know, he's still a little slight. So there are some things that just have to be developed and he'll probably need until next spring to really start to 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 materialize. I wouldn't anticipate that he's going to be one of your staples or or pillars in your defensive secondary. It's just a little early for him. It is a little bit early. The other question we talked about stopping the run was interior. I think that's starting to be solved. Now, they're not very deep. In the middle, but I think they do have a few players. Bishop Thomas was a transfer from Florida State. They also have Amari McNeil, who's showing well in camp so far, and a couple other guys up there. They brought in Leonard Payne, I believe, and he was a grad transfer. So we'll see how all that progresses. But Shane Cokes has been the one that that coach has been really. Did I steal the words from you? No, man, go ahead. That 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 coach Coach Prime has been really raving about, and this is a transfer from Dartmouth, right? So another smart kid. And, uh, and and just in terms of dominating, I believe he was one of the first players to earn his number mm-hmm. in the spring, right? He was the first defensive player yeah. to earn his number. Yeah, so so I, just obviously high on him. And, he's, you know, these guys that they've picked up out of that transfer portal, right? So there are a few of them that have been shining stars. There's been some guys that fall off, but that's just the nature of college football. But Shane Cox has been one of the bright spots up there, too. He's been easily one of the bright spots. And I actually think you and I talked about him when he transferred in because I cut on the tape at Dartmouth and I was like, oh my gosh, this kid's playing in the Ivy League? What did you find here? Yeah. And you put you, you put on the practice film from Well Off Media and this kid is showing out. I mean, he play inside, he play outside. I saw him the other day. I talked to him a little bit. He's got, his arms are enormous. Yeah. He's got a couple of pythons and it's just... Passes the eye test. Yeah, sure. he does. And he's yeah. going to be a big playmaker. And I think their group yeah. of edge rushers for the first time since 2016 is actually going to be able to get to the quarterback. They got a transfer from Florida State and Derek McClendon, who I think is going to play a big role there on the outside. Someone from uh, West Virginia, Tajay Alston, I think he'll play 
quite a bit here for the Buffs as well. And there's some other names that we'll keep keep an eye on, certainly. But things are moving along and progressing forward at CU. Some good and, you know, some things where you look at it and you go, okay, you know, we still got to shake the Colorado out of this thing. <laughs> you know, still got to shake the Buffs out of this thing. You know what I like about the team is that there's, you know, there's some late bloomers on it, right? Yeah. And, and, and Javon Antonio and Shane Cox. And, and those guys just needed the time in college football and weight rooms to, to actually – um, realize their potential. So those kind of stories, those will be fun to follow throughout the year. They certainly will be. Only three more Saturdays left. Woo! I can start to taste it. Can you, college football? I can start to taste it. I, I started to feel it on Saturday. I woke up and I was like, okay. Which do you get more excited for? College. Yeah. Easily. Hands down. Huh? I absolutely love sitting on my couch every single Sunday and watching NFL Red Zone. That's a religion to me. You know, some people may go to church. I go to my couch on Sundays. But... <laughs> But Saturdays, especially early, early in the year, like the first three, four weeks of college football season, man. Oh, give it to me, Kyle. I'm ready for it. I heard the uh, I heard a team over at Overland begin practice as well. Yeah, man, we got going this week and uh, first week of fall, man. You you have a few few uh, bumps. You know, you just get through. And there's just a lot of procedural stuff. You know what I mean? You get a lot of freshmen in, and, and you have to kind of get through some things. And um, But, man, we're off to a good start. Feel really good about our guys. I, I mean, I, I, I tell my guys every day, I absolutely love our football team. I absolutely love those guys. So looking forward to seeing guys that, um, again, have had an opportunity to grow and, and uh, put it on display. So excited for what's coming up. Was that coach speak enough for you? A little bit too much. I'm, I, I'm still still needing to work with you on your inspiration. Nope. It's okay. <laughs> I'll come speak to the team Got as a right guest out the speaker. Can, brother. Right I'll out the come can. speak to the team as a guest speaker. Um, you know, tell some good stories that the kids will have inside jokes about the rest of the year. I'll, I'll, I'll do you a service. Okay, I will. All right, back to the Broncos. <laughs> they lost to the Cardinals in their first preseason game on Friday night. When we come up next, it's game notes. We're going through this whole thing. We're going to dive into our takeaways and that's that's on the other side this is the theme song for see you this year i asked coach prime i said is it official and he said yes this song and two of America's most wanted between Tupac and Snoop Dogg are the two theme songs that CU football is going to have. He said he wanted a third, and he said he wanted a country song, you know, to, hit, to cover all the bases, basically, is what he said. But I have to be honest, country music does I love. I like country music a lot. It is not hype music. It does not fire me up. Like, I've never heard a country song that's been like, all right, let's go. Let's go. Like, yeah, okay, let's go party. Let's go drink. You know, let's go get messed up. But never like, let's go play football. That That's reserved for songs like that. No? Do you it's, not, like, it's not a turn-up song for you then, huh? What do you play, Bach or Beethoven in the locker room? <laughs> <laughs> Bring me back down. Yeah, man. That's thank the, you. Thank you. I will be here for the next 40 minutes. That's the beauty of, beauty of football locker rooms, man, is that you, you do have to cover all those bases. So whether you're, whether country music doesn't get you going, I guarantee there's somebody that it does. And maybe they'll be over in the corner with their headphones on. But Ramoslow.com text line, 303-713-1043. Your best country fire-up, pump-up song. If it's good enough and I like it, I will recommend it to Coach Prime. There you go.
That is a promise from me. You are now the gatekeeper for country music. For, for the one country music, this is your this is your chance out there, listeners. If you want that suggestion to make its way, I will I will do that the if it's a good enough song. But you have to understand. But you have to understand, it's got to pass the test. So the Matt test that is a challenge. 303-713-1043 on the Ramoslaw.com text line. All right, it is time for game notes, Kyle. You got your notes out. Let's rock. Let's rock, baby. First. Drive for the Broncos. Well, first drive of the game, it was Arizona. Um, Arizona came out came out of the gates here with Colt McCoy, who ends up playing one series. It was, I think, encouraging by the Broncos' offense. Arizona made a little bit of headway. And then, of course, Sean Payton came in with the challenge. Sean Payton making his presence felt right away, challenges the catch, ends up losing the challenge. But the Broncos' defense, their first-team defense, without Sertan, without Justin Simmons, right, without Frank Clark, they were, they were able to get Arizona off the field. And, you know, Zach Allen held twice on that first drive, no flags. I thought that was a really good sign. If, yeah, that's the NFL. You can call holding on every play. But I, I was really uh... – he got bear hugged. We can go back, pull up the film, and I'll show you. No problem. Um, but, yeah, them getting off the field. And, you know, again, I thought Arizona got what they needed to or felt like they got what they needed to in, in terms of Cole McCoy. He's been in the league for 20 years. You know what? You know who he is, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and he's their best option at this point. So getting off the field, listen, I, I wrote this down about Alex Singleton. He rolls out of bed ready, right? That dude you know, there, there's a saying that there are guys that were made to play football. I think Alex Singleton is one of them, and, and the Broncos rewarded him with a uh, with a contract, and he's absolutely deserving of it. That dude is a menace. Great play on the menace. third and one. He shot the gap, delayed, and that was a VJ call. Now that was the first time we saw VJ's defense. I thought pop up. VJ's defense will be more aggressive, right? VJ's defense is going to take more chances. They may end up getting beat a little bit more often. And I thought as the game continued, when some of the backups were in there, we kind of saw that rear its head a little bit. But early, early returns, at least for the first team offense, it will be more aggressive. VJ is going to be more aggressive. I think you're starting to see that one, the pressure of not being the head coach relieved. Have you, did you see like his body language on the sideline? Yeah, uh, he has a ton of energy. He is into it. He's getting after it. Uh, I, I think you're going to see the best of Vance Joseph in his second opportunity with the Broncos. I, I'm actually excited for it. He and Sean Payton were talking quite a bit too, which was also really good to see because I think it's it's a good thing to have another set of eyes, right? Who's who's kind of held that position before to have a sounding board. So I thought that was somebody good, else has been through that. I fight. thought that was good to see. Montreal Washington got the first crack at punt return because Marvin Mims did not play, and I thought as far think as that's punt, the reason, yeah, for sure. Okay, yeah. Well, that's the well. I definitely think because Marvin Mims on the first depth chart was was listed as the starter. Okay. So yeah, since Marvin Mims didn't play, I think that's why Montreal Washington. Because here's why, and we can get into this maybe at another time a little bit more in detail, maybe even next week, but they don't want to keep both. They can't keep both. You got to pick one. Right, and if it's Montreal Washington over Marvin Mims, you kind of have a problem because that's a guy you moved up in the draft to take this year, and you're going to have to make him inactive because Montreal Washington, the fifth round pick out of Sanford last year, is going to take his spot. I don't think that's going to happen. I think that is the absolute, you know, last thing that the Broncos want to do. Competition I really think is so. good, though. 
It's a great thing. It breathes progress. Yeah. It breathes progress. Uh, the first offensive drive for the Broncos, they go three and out. That first play was a little boot rollout. We saw the identity of the Sean Payton offense right away. Russell didn't get through his progressions properly. A little bit of pressure in his face. Threw it behind Troutman. Um, you know, and, and you mentioned on that third down, a little miscommunication with Sutton, right? No, that that was a different one. Well, that was on their first series. Yeah, this was the uh, Ben Powers got beat. Oh, right. Got the excuse ball me. Excuse down. me. Right. Yeah, that was so. the next. That was the yeah. next series. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, and the ball came, got batted down. That's right. Down. Yeah. One of multiple times the ball got batted down. Seen this show before, and so again the, the ghost of Broncos past coming back to haunt you a little bit, and so I think you got a, a little bit of a glimpse into what needs to be focused on. In terms of protection up front, again, we mentioned uh, that this was a a six-man protection that kept the back end and still couldn't get what you needed in terms of keeping Russell Wilson comfortable in order to convert that third and seven. But the fact that they were in a third and seven, right, that was something that I was really keeping an eye on, right? What type of third down situations are you in? Third and seven is not that great of a situation. You'd love to be around third and four, which... What happened on first and second down? That's that's put you there. The defense did a great job after a six-minute drive for Arizona, getting Arizona off the field, and then Denver's offense responds with a three and out. And you're thinking, oh, here we go again. This is 2022 all over again. But at least in my mind, I tried not to weight that too much into account because it was the first drive of the season. How much weight does that really hold? I mean, you'd like to not go three and out in your first drive of the season, clearly, but... I'm not going to hold it against them. I'm just, I, I, I really won't. Um, Arizona's second drive, Denver forces them to, you know, almost go three and out up until the point when Isang Bassi stepped up with a great play, made a pick, and it was that was where you saw the field conditions come into play. There was a lot of discussion heading into the game about, well, this Arizona field looks awful, and Marlon Mack, you know, two days prior just tore his Achilles. Well, on that play, Arizona's receiver slipped, fell down, and Isang Bassi was the beneficiary who picked it off, and the Broncos were in business on the plus side of the field. They got to get that fixed, man, because that was a huge problem in the Super Bowl, too. So, you know, Isang Bassi obviously taking advantage of the opportunity to, to get more playing time. And, again, there's he's part of that competition in the secondary. So uh, I believe yesterday was his birthday, so he messed around and got himself an early birthday. Game. There you go. There you go. Nick Benito set the edge on a run on that drive, too, which that's something that I'll always be looking for when Nick Benito is on the field. I was extremely critical of him last year and into the offseason about his ability to set the edge. And I think this – you know what's interesting about Benito? He was liking my tweets – during last season about him not playing well. And I always find it funny when players do that because I didn't tag him, right? He went out, searched his name, found the tweets, and liked them. But I kind of like that because to me it's like, okay, you know, I, I see I see what's being said about me, and I'm going to use that as fuel to my fire. I just I'm not I'm not saying that I – had an impact. I'm just saying that I think you can <laughs> see. You again. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I, that really wasn't what uh, I'm saying. No. I just think that you can see the mentality of that kid who wants to improve, wants to get better. And every time that he's spoken has shown, you know, that that he really is committed to this. So yeah, good, good signs. Yeah, no, no. I, I don't care what the motivation is as long as you're motivated. Yeah, you know? and, 100%. So get after it. I don't care where it comes from. As long as, you know, you, you see, you know, a generic face and whatever sent, you know, said about you. And it motivates you. It motivates me when people say I can't do things. That's the that's one of life's greatest motivators. Yeah. Somebody telling you you can't do something. He's going to Terrence Crawford you one day. He's going he's going he's going to mention it one day. Off of the interception, Russell Wilson right away big completion to Jerry Judy 
And this is another sign of the Sean Payton offense, y'all. This was another great sign of progress. Russ using the middle of the field, right? That little slant there for Judy. He hit some 19-yard completion. Broncos are off and rolling, except for Russell drops the ball, self-sacks, brings the Broncos to a third and 17. And then Russ tried that underhanded pitch to Samaj P. Ryan. Yeah. Then you were like, okay, that's two drives in a row where I know you had that nice completion to Judy, but, man, can we not string anything together? Like, can you not string anything together here? And, and, and again, for me, it's just not taking advantage of the momentum that the defense built up for you. Sure. Right? And and so, you know, the more often that happens, you start to build a vision on your team. And we saw that play out with Mike Purcell last year. So you want to be able to, uh, again, what would you say, play complimentary football. And bringing, coming home with points, that would have been how you complement that interception by Bassey. Well, that's why you kick a field goal there, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Bert and Ernie. Moving that on. was their first appearance of the day. Brett Maher steps up and misses a 50-yard field goal wide to the left, which, honestly, you can't make it up. I mean, you just can't make it up. We knew this would be a problem at some point for the Broncos. And in the first preseason game, it turns out to be an issue. This is why we said you can't trust Brett Maher. You miss four extra points, right? You miss four extra points in one playoff game. That sticks with you. You don't know when it's popping up, but it's coming back. It's coming back all right, and it came back in the first week of the preseason, which is really rough. I don't want to hang on that drive too much, but, you know, you you didn't do – I know we're down on Maher, but it was third and 16. You put – you know, it was just a a series of really unfortunate plays or or really poorly executed plays. It was one poorly executed play. It was Russell dropping the ball with the self-sack. But then you're back down in third and 16. Absolutely. And and you don't do anything to help your cause in that. So it, it's, it's so it was Russ's fault he missed the field goal. No, it, it wasn't. But you could have helped the man out a little bit more by, by being more efficient on second and third down. I think that goes without saying. But yes. Yeah. Hey. But at a certain point, you got to be able to step up and make some of those. Not a good first impression. Sure. Right? Not a good first impression. If the first time that I go out on a date with somebody, I introduce myself and she's got really bad breath, good impression or bad impression, Kyle? Bad impression. I'm not touching this. Bad impression. I'm not touching Really bad impression. Uh, so I'm the Broncos miss the field goal there. Oh. Arizona gets the ball back. Another three and out Denver forces on rookie quarterback Clayton Toon. And Arizona needed a different one of those early. Matt Henningsen with a big sack. Nick Benito also in on that as well. Matt Henningsen showed some really nice things. This is a position where the Broncos needed some youth to step up. And to play a factor, because it was a bit of a gamble not to bring in another veteran depth piece, especially on that defensive line, more specifically when Uazarike got suspended for the entire year, Kyle. You don't want the opportunity, I'll take it. Cash in on it. Help my cause, help my family's cause. Good on him in terms of Henningsen and just taking that and running with it. And hopefully we'll see more of that, because, again, depth is going to be something that's going to be critical as the season progresses. So. Man, really, really pleased in, in, in what the defense and, and the guys, again, that are two-year guys, how they're maturing in it. Broncos do force the three and out. And yet again, Montreal Washington, with a nice punt return, looked comfortable. And you and I were out there last week at practice, and we were watching these punt returners and, and going, well, well, Marvin Mims. I mean, Marvin Mims looks like the most fundamental of the bunch. Montreal Washington was dropping to the ground every time he caught the ball. But I think it was you who said, well, at least he caught it. Right, And we saw on Friday night that Montreal built a little bit off of what he did last year. Now, obviously, you know, stakes aren't as high and you're not playing most of the starters. But they, but they are for him. They are at, for Montreal Washington. 
and, and he did get a 10-yard return on, 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 on that one. Um, and, that, and that's just a bonus for me, right? Because honestly, when you're, when you're returning kicks in the NFL, you, you remember I, when Jim Leonard went back there? Sure. The only reason he went back there was because he could secure the football, right? The defense did their job. Or Let's Wes get, Welker. Yeah, the, those guys. We, are we looking for the explosive play out of those guys? Absolutely not. Let's right. secure the football and get our offense on the field. Nice return there from Montreal, Washington. On the third drive, this is where the Broncos started to look like the Sean Payton Broncos. This is where I started to become very encouraged by Sean Payton early. Now, obviously, you don't want to take too much out of the first preseason game, but even into week four last year of the regular season, I didn't understand what Nathaniel Hackett was trying to do. I remember going on coffee break after the first three weeks, I think, of the season, and it was that was around the time... And by the way, I was on coffee break because I won that week of the fan football pick'em, which I ended up winning many more weeks on my route to a fan football pick'em championship last year. And I do enter the 2023 season as the defending champion. <clears throat> but <clears throat> this is where you saw identity start to be formed. Shamaje P. Ryan, uh, great first down run, picks up the first down on the ground. You kill two birds with one stone there. You establish a ground game. You get the linebackers to move up in the box, and you get the first first down. And in Sean Payton's offense, if you can establish, if in the first set of downs you have, let's say, what, a five-yard run, Kyle, you probably have a pretty damn good chance of getting your first first down on the drive. There you go. Yeah. And they did. Samaj P. Ryan with a big pickup there. What did they do the next play? Play action pass. Good start to the third drive. Cortland Sutton, they hit him on, I think it was a, 15-yard completion there. He just sat down in the middle of the zone there. Great run action from the Broncos. And, and again, we start to see some of these critical elements that we have been talking about all offseason as far as Sean Payton and how he wants to do things here start to pop up. Yeah. I, you know, no accident that we saw so much play action. Very intentional. P. Ryan is... He's the initiator of that. So it's good to see him get off to a good start there and break a few of those runs. And he also had a bunch of tough runs that he only got a yard in. And that, and that shows a commitment to that running game. So in that particular series, right, you start to see now plays that work off of each other. Mm -hmm. So so a pleasure. And as you said, right, that's Sean Payton at his best. Right. And then what does he do? And then what does he do? Yep. Comes yeah. back with the tight end screen to Troutman, where he sells it as a run the other direction, leaks out Troutman, and bam, you pick up another first down, and the Broncos are moving the ball down the field quite well at this point. You've mixed in run, you've mixed in two play action looks and a screen, you haven't put Russ in harm's way, and you're moving the football, Kyle. Like, those are the, those are the things that we just didn't see last year. Not at all. Yeah, Not at all. It was Murray, Murray, third down. Gone well, late in the year, it was yeah. right. So, and, and again, as Sean Payton at his best is when you don't know where you're going to get hit from next. Well, right? neither does Russell because that popped <laughs> up later in the drive. There was a bit of a miscommunication from Russ and Sutton, a bit of a three yard pickup there. Then the next play, they went back to the well with play action, and Russell got absolutely drilled. The whole left side of the line collapsed. Garrett Bowles, Ben Powers, Garrett Bowles, man. Where's your concern level at with Garrett? I'd say about a six, scale of one to ten, maybe yeah. even a seven. Uh, it, it's pretty high for uh, for a person that's been in the league that long and, and an investment that that great. And, and it doesn't feel good because, look, look, man, Russell Wilson's going to be 35 years old this year, right? Mm -hmm. You can't continue to do that. Yeah. 
So on third down, put yourself in a bad spot. Now you got to kick a 50-yard field goal again. Elliot Fry's chance. Ernie yeah. gets a crack at it, and then he misses. So, so now you've missed two field goals. You should have six points on the board. You should be feeling okay about what your offense has done, but instead you don't, and your defense has to go right back out on the field feeling unfulfilled and feeling like they got left hung out to dry because the offense couldn't take care of their part of the bargain, which is unfortunately a feeling that's all too familiar based upon what we saw last year, right? So the Broncos are no good from 50. Elliott Fry there. Arizona gets the ball back once again. Doesn't go much better for him. The defense, I thought, in the first half actually showed up quite well for Denver. Arizona ends up going down seven plays, misses a field goal. Uh, Drew Sanders, blown coverage there. It's going to be a bit of a work in progress, I think, for him to get accustomed to NFL speed, their third-round rookie. Yeah, and it's not about speed for him because he can run, right? But it's just about leverage, understanding angles, where guys are coming from. Um, that'll take some time. And then Elijah Garcia, Nick Benito jump off sides. But consequently, later that drives some great pressure from Elijah Garcia up the middle, forces Arizona into a third down. They end up having to kick a field goal. And our good buddy, shotgun Matt Prater, uh, he missed from 53. So three consecutive missed field goals to start the game. Denver would get the ball back there with good field position at their own 43. They lead the touchdown drive here, Kyle. It starts off. Again, on the ground, picking up the first first down, Samaj P. Ryan fighting for extra yards. Sets you up perfectly because you want to get into your boot game. You want to get into your play-action game, right? If they're taking away the home run ball and you've got linebackers sucking up, that opens up your intermediate level for guys like Cortland Sutton and Jerry Judy to take advantage, and they did. Uh, play action after the first first down run there from Samaj P. Ryan. The play action goes to Sutton. Great throw, stepped up in the pocket, rusted. I wish he would have kept his feet you know what I'm talking about there where Sutton had to go to the ground and catch that football yeah pressure in his face though you can't ask for too much yeah 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 there's no such thing as a perfect play I I don't know if you noticed this at this point in the game they had a little bit more bounce right sure from from a body language standpoint absolutely that's what happens when you're on schedule right when you're having and even when you step up in the pocket right that's a rhythm thing but there was more sense of urgency, too. No doubt. Because they weren't supposed to be out there for the fourth drive. Damn long anyway. They had 14 snaps under their belt after the first three drives. And Sean Payton said, we're not. Like, what did Denzel Washington said? I'm from round the way. I'm leaving here with something. Yeah. That's kind of what Sean Payton, you know, the mentality took into Arizona. Look, we're getting something out of this game for sure. Because right now, we need to be out there. So he sent the first team offense back out there. Now. It got it got tricky there because on what was it third and four they had the perfect play set up Jerry Judy with some great improvisation Red Russell Wilson's eyes Wilson breaks out of the pocket moving to his right tries to hit Judy which could have been a potential touchdown and Judy just trying to look upfield before he secured the catch and dropped it yeah and you go oh boy oh boy Jerry Judy's having a rough camp and it just translated to you know the first preseason game yeah. And then that was tough. That was a that was a third and five that Judy dropped that on, and, and he just again how you're managing your third downs. You found yourself in a manageable situation where you can start to look into some of the corners of your playbook, and you got got a play that worked right. And that's just it's a play that great teams convert. It's a it's a play that playoff teams convert. And so uh, again, the Ghost of Broncos pass, man. Here we are. Sean Payton rolls the dice on fourth and five. Why not? Loved it. Loved it. It's a preseason. Who cares? Just go. I would much rather get a first down and try and get this ball into the end zone than get more work for Burton Ernie, who won't be on the team next week. Like, let's be honest. I don't need Brett Maher. I've seen enough. 
from you two clowns. Um, big, big time play from Russell Wilson on fourth down. Coverage zero, pressure in his face. He hung in there. Judy with a great route over the middle, using the middle of the field again, Kyle. Judy is a slot receiver with those slants. How much have we been begging for that the last few years? Sean Payton's figuring that out. Russell Wilson with a great strike, and the Broncos' first-team offense was able to get on the board. So the, the, the Cardinals go casino, bet the house, right, brought it all. Uh, and, and Russell's standing in there after he had took a few hits, right, and delivering that football. And one of the things that the, the biggest lies that we tell on the radio sometimes is guys don't get wide open in, in the NFL. Jerry Judy was wide open. About as wide open as you'll ever get in the NFL. Yeah, so, you know, pitch and catch. And you have some success, and you get off the field, you go home. What did we see out of the second team offense? Stidham and Danucci in the rest of the game. We'll dive into all that next. Take it over! That's a throwback right there. T.I. is one of my favorites, man. T.I. is my favorite rapper. Did you know that? Stop. I swear. T.I.P.? Dirty South? T.I. is my favorite rapper. Nice. I, I, listen, man. Not I, even close, I have to be debates about him. Okay, quick T.I. question. Okay. Urban Legend, the classic album? It's not my favorite, but it's a good one. Okay. There are better ones. I like, I, I think his Paper Trail I thought was great. Okay. Um, T.I. versus T.I.P. I thought was a good album. You thought too. it was better than Urban Legend? I mean that's a that's a classic. Okay. Like you can't you know you can't. It's classic Ti. It is classic Ti. Okay. All right. But I like I don't know. I even thought. Um, oh gosh, I can't even remember what his third album was. Where he's the, the King. There you go, King. Yeah. Oh no no no. King was good. Paper Trail was Trap good. Music was really good. Ti versus Tip. And then what was the one after that? You know what I'm talking about? I had the black album. Co- anyway, doesn't matter. Nobody yeah. cares. <laughs> you and I do. I love Ti. Ti. All right, back to the Broncos here. We were just talking about the first-team offense. Um, They convert there with the touchdown to Judy. They get on the board. And then at the end of the first half, very interesting moment that I thought was another great indication of just being appreciative of having Sean Payton here. Um, And that was running uh, running the field goal unit onto the field at the end of the first half. No timeouts. And Jonathan Gannon called a timeout for Arizona, which basically bought the Broncos a field goal because there were serious questions about whether or not Denver would be able to get off a kick in time, certainly with time to set up there for Elliott Fry. But because Sean Payton has been drilling situational awareness into these guys' heads over there at training camp, it showed up onto the field and they were ready for the moment and it forced Arizona to call timeout. Yeah, again, we talk about the chess match, and, and, and Sean Payton's just been around too long. Um, and, and listen, the, the lesson learned for Gannon as well, you know. So, you know, these things come, they play a huge factor in the outcomes of games. And Sean Payton alluded to it a few weeks ago. He said, you know, we're drilling this two-minute because there is a situation in every game where there's a two-minute scenario that has to play out in your favor. So for him to manage that in that way, Give his team a chance, man. It's just it tells you why the guy's here and why you have the confidence that you do in him. What do you think of Jared Stidham? I think you got a. I think you got a uh, conversation or a battle on your hands for QB number two. Uh, I, I know you got. I know you paid the guy ten million dollars. Um, but were you overly impressed? No, not at all. He was five of fifteen in the game for what was it, sixty yards and a touch and an interception rather. Yeah. And that yeah. interception. 
That was never going to be a good decision. I, I don't know what he was thinking. And this is a guy who has started games in the NFL. Well, he started two. Let's let's just. I mean, let's. He started one more than Denu- Yeah, but it's one more than Danucci. Yeah. So I'm just saying, like, let's have a little bit of perspective here. Okay. It was a gamble when they signed him. They went out right away and picked up Stidham, and they and they Sean Payton loved him coming out of the draft, so that was good enough for him, and they overpaid for him. So I don't know. I don't know what to tell you. I I, I didn't think he looked very good at all, Kyle. Really, I didn't. Well, I, I thought it was sh- the one thing I thought he did well was he made some quick decisions. Uh, when it was time to run the football, he did that. There were some zone read concepts that they used with him, which actually that specifically, I was really encouraged by that because we didn't see nearly enough zone read with Russell Wilson last year. We're going to see it with him this year. Russell's going to run this year. Yeah. I've, you got to. You have to. You have to, man. Who cares? I'm just telling you, who cares? If he, if he can't hold up then, he probably wasn't going to hold up anyway. You're not going to do it too much, but in certain situations, if you've got a defense that's being overly aggressive – Kyle, it was it was not too far down the road last year that we were talking about Russ has to do what Russ does well, and that's run with the football. There was too much of, of trying to make something out of nothing without deciding to just tuck it and run. And if some of those concepts are in Sean Payton's offense, you got to be able to do that to have a successful offense in, in today's NFL. Yeah, I, I, I understand that you want to capitalize on the God-given talent, and he has that, no doubt. And if Stidham can do that effectively, then you lean into that as well. How much intentional design stuff do you do for that? That, that That's where I start to kind of rear back a little bit. And I think that's fair, but that wasn't even a quarterback run design. That was just zone read. He's just reading the end. I mean, he could have easily just handed that off. Easily. Well, so for I, me, yeah, I, I hope make they incorporate on the play. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I hope that they incorporate those elements into the offense. And to me, that was encouraging. As it was encouraging to see the Jalen Virgil sweep, that the reverse sweep there that they ran to Jalen Virgil, right. you and I saw that at practice and said, hey, look at that. You know, I don't think Jalen Virgil necessarily had a very good game overall. I felt like it could have been a little bit better, but that was a good moment for him okay. and a good moment that Sean Payton actually knows how to use a reverse sweep effectively. Yeah, and and, and it's an investment, right? You script a play like that for that particular guy. So any capitalized, what do you get? 15? Yeah, yeah, at least. 15 on it. So, uh, good on 25. You. 25. There you go. Yeah, 25. Right. It was a big pickup. And then, like I said, I just, you know, 5 of 15 for Stidham. Need to see more. I'm not willing to close the book on him yet. But I think there will be a conversation about who had the better game. And I think it would be pretty hard to come away saying Stidham looked better than Danucci, who went 7 to 9 for 57 yards. And some of his some of his throws, I thought, just looked effortless. Like he just he's got some arm strength to him that you wouldn't necessarily expect, and he can just flick it out there. Yeah, I, obviously he's the underdog here, uh, but he's played a lot of football in the last six months, mm-hmm. right? And and I don't think that's hurting his cause any. And when you got grit, uh, his body language is really good. He's excited to play football, excited for the opportunity. He's going to push to him, and, and I think the competition is a good thing. Overall, overall, encouraged. What grade would you give the Broncos? Oh, B minus. B minus, I, I, you know, um, I think B because I was really impressed with what the commitment to the running game and its effectiveness, right? Um, but you start to uh, have some worries about the protection. I thought the t- the defense was really good. And so there's a lot of things to be optimistic about for sure. And uh, what do you think? B minus, C, where Yeah, I'd at? say about C plus. Okay. I'd say about C plus. There's yeah, a lot of thing. room to grow. There's a lot of room to grow there. You did see some things. Had it not been for the fourth down conversion, 
we're probably talking about a different situation where the Broncos offense went out there four times and did not score. That would have been a different conversation. It was good that they at least got it into the end zone. Now, obviously, a lot you know left to build on throughout the rest of this preseason. They don't have a lot of time to do it, and there's yeah. a lot of work to be done. So, look, I was I was encouraged by by several things. I was encouraged by Sean Payton's control. I was encouraged by the fact that he could sequence plays effectively and it looked like competent offense. I think Russ was a little bit sharper. Um, he had his moments. There was good and bad, I think, altogether. But, you, you know, there's still a carrot left out there, no doubt. if that makes sense. I wish we could split the groups in the conversation because I'd be borderline giving the uh, the defense almost an A had they not finished the game the way they did. Um I, I think there were a lot of encouraging takeaways. Henningsing was obviously one that, one that we talked about. Nick, Nick Medino is carrying on his, his momentum. So there's a lot there. And Elijah Garcia. Elijah Garcia as well, yeah. Hey, Sam Bassey. Yeah, he's saying Bassey. Before we get out of here, we've been talking a lot about the Buffs, certainly this offseason. But there's a certain CSU grad I want to give a shout-out to. Pop, I'm not going to look at you. You're a man of principle and excellence. I know you weren't trying to be courageous when you hired me, but you did do something nobody else in professional sports has ever done. That was CSU grad Becky Hammond, who last night, along with Pau Gasol, Dirk Nowitzki, Tony Parker, Greg Popovich, and Dwayne Wade, made her way into the Basketball Hall of Fame, which... Was just super cool to see, man. Becky Hammond was a trendsetter, was a trailblazer. She is CSU's all-time leader in points, points per game, field goals made, free throws made, three-point field goals made, and assists. She is, you know, her number is up in the rafters in two different NBA, WNBA franchises in San Antonio and over there in Las Vegas, as well as up in Fort Collins, her number's in the rafters. Shout-out to Becky Hammond, who had a hell of a career. And in her first season as a head coach, won the 2022 WNBA Championship. Kyle, Cheers very cool story. Very cool story. And great that Dirk and Pau Gasol and Tony Parker and Pop, congratulations to all those guys as well. On, on a somber note, it has been heartbreaking to watch the news coming out of Maui this week. And unfortunately, here in Colorado, we're, we are all too familiar with the damage of wildfire. Certainly, I am as well. I've, I think I've had to evacuate because of fire seven or eight times in my life, living up in the foothills in Boulder. Our company, Bonneville, I'm very proud to announce this launched a fundraiser to help the people of Maui. Head to denversports.com, and at the top of the page, you're going to see a link to the Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund. 100% of the donations will go to the Hawaii Community Foundation serving Maui. Again, that's Bonneville Maui Strong Fire Relief Fund at denversports.com. For Kyle Reese, I'm Matt Smith, the judge, Dan Jacobs. He's up next.